here. Oh we my gosh. Go. We are back. Again. Oh yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Neon Belly Nate, Neon Belly John, Neon Belly Brandon. And boys. Glad you stuck with it. I was really hoping that that was, I was like, I'm going to just do it and just hopefully naturally you guys just hop in on it. Yeah. So I like it. Boys, today, uh-huh. UFC 284. Ooh. Let's talk about it. Yes, sir. We're going to recap the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Islam Makhachev. Ooh, what a fight. Co-main, Yair. Yair. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to talk about this fight. Then we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night main event. Aaron Blanchfield. I almost said it. I didn't fix it in my notes. Versus the <laughs> new opponent, Jessica Andrade. And what could be possibly a title eliminator and the chance at the queen, Valentina Shevchenko. And finally, as always, all the news and happenings in and, the round, in and around the world, excuse me, of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, sir. But I think at least for me and John anyways, our Super Bowl is definitely last night. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest sporting event of the weekend for us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we far. do have an Eagles fan in our presence, Brandon. That's right. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good, man. Read an article this morning talking about it, <laughs> and it was like it was talking about how you're essentially looking at this matchup between a juggernaut of a team against Patrick Mahomes. That's, mm-hmm. that's sort of the the tail mm-hmm. of the tape here. So that's why he's the MVP, you know? How's, yeah. the, how's the ankle? I don't know. All right, I, I don't know. He was jogging out on it and stuff. It looks like it might oh. be all right. We'll see what happens when he gets sacked like four times in a row. As a hardcore diehard diehard Eagles fan. Um, What's your score prediction for today? Because the thing is, we're recording this on Sunday. The Super Bowl yeah. kicks off in like what, probably six, seven hours from mm-hmm. right now, like seven o'clock or something. So I think it's going to be fairly close, but I think it's going to be a high-scoring game for the Eagles because they're usually putting up points early. So I'll go thirty-five twenty-eight. All right, thirty-five nice. twenty-eight. Eagles win. A hundred percent Eagles. Man, I don't know. I was Chiefs. I was leaning hard Chiefs. Now, as we get closer to the game, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting, but. Let's be honest, boys. We aren't here to talk NFL. We're here to talk UFC 284 right off the top. We got to get into it. So much to talk about about our main event last night. But before we do, rate, sub, follow, Brandon, let the people know each and every week what we ask them to do. sub, follow, guys. Every week we ask you to do this. We're constantly trying to grow and get bigger and expand our fan base and people that hear us. Um, You can follow us on Spotify. You can give us some reviews on there, five stars. Mm -hmm. Um, Then also on Apple, this is our biggest... uh, uh, one of the biggest places to do that. Give us a written reviews on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also give us five stars there. Listen to us. We're on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. You can catch some shorts, some little uh, small clips and videos from the from the show and things we talk about and give us a lot of love and spread it. At Neon Belly Podcast on all of those socials. Hit us up. Plug in. Get involved. Boys, here we go. UFC 284. Ooh. This past Saturday, our main event, oh, which, live from Perth, Australia. Perth. Perth, home, <laughs> Australia. You got to put the R at the end. That's you true. Know. Perth, Australia, home of the second-to-last blockbuster in the world. And, boys, no better main event for uh, a card like this than Islam Makhachev defeating Alexander Volkanovsky via unanimous decision. And, boys, what a fight. And more importantly, what a moment 
uh, for the history of this sport. These are the things that we will remember for years, forever, for both of these guys' careers and legacy. Um, these these two literally showed us, you know, what happens when the best two fighters in the world match up. I mean, this fight literally had everything. And I say it, you know, I think I said it a couple times leading up is, the fact that we get these fights in this promotion, which is the biggest promotion in the world, undoubtedly, in this sport where, you know, you look at other sports like boxing, even sometimes jujitsu boys. We all watch competitive jujitsu, and sometimes the biggest names are just not afraid. I don't want to say afraid, but, you know, like it's tough to really put yourself and challenge yourself mm -hmm. and go for greatness, and we don't always get these fights. Right. Um, so it's always a big deal, and we should never uh, take those moments for granted when we get these. Um, but just like I said, this fight literally had everything I thought uh, just kind of jumping right into it I thought rounds one and two were pretty close mm -hmm. um, but for me on my scorecard I felt like the power from Islam was just the difference through those early rounds um, that maybe kind of got him the, uh, the nod for me um, and I'm saying power not size so don't right. get it twisted yeah. there for the record just the power it just seemed like when Islam was touching Volk it just kind of got the bigger reactions and I guess even for me watching it live maybe for the judges could have been the difference have not rewatched it worth mentioning that too as well then in the third round I felt like Volk had really slowed the fight down to his pace um, whether it was kind of Islam fading a bit or maybe those leg kicks and even body shots from Volk just kind of added up a little bit but it did seem like Islam in that point was kind of taken not a step back by any means, but you know, it just kind of dwindled a little bit there. And that he third lost round. a gear, I think. Yeah, there you go. Good. Yeah, there you go. But that's a better way of phrasing it. Um, either way, to me, though, Volk edged out that third round pretty clearly. Um, then in the fourth, Islam um, just hits the most ridiculous level change ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, this thing was a straight death drop. <laughs> I mean, um, if you have a, if you don't have like a Smith and Wesson handy, you ain't stopping that, boys, if your name's <laughs> not like Bo Nickel, RBY, Spencer Lee. I mean, you're not stopping those right mm -hmm. um but uh that and then which that that's the round where he got the back mount right mm -hmm. just kind of rode out the round there and so clearly won round four uh then round five i felt like volk really turned it up um and really had his best round there um if this thing was a fight to the death boys i think we know where this was heading but given the 25 minute time limit i think islam did enough on my card to pull it off um We'll start there. I guess your guys' thoughts on the overall decision. I, like I said, it just seems like it comes down to that round two. I haven't got to rewatch it personally. Brandon, I know you did, so yep. you can kind of say what you felt like rewatching that second round. Okay, so uh, let me preface this with a massive Islam fan here. And I rewatched it this morning, and I, I think round one, I, you can give that pretty easily to Islam. He was able to drop Volk to a knee. He had another another punch that landed pretty heavy on Volk and sent him backwards. And he landed a takedown at the end of that round and controlled the back. Round uh, two, I have no idea. I, yeah. I, I don't know how to score that one. Round three, um, edged it to Volk. He had some better... So, so what was it about round two where you're like, man, maybe could have went either way? Like, so, I, I was having a hard... I mean, like, I feel like those first... Like, I didn't... Like, I don't think my heart rate came down from, like, 180 so, so <laughs> when I this third round. When I rewatch fights, what I do in my head is I watch throughout the round and I think to myself, okay, when I'm, I'm counting moments in my mind where somebody has a moment, whether that's an offensive moment, sure. um, a big moment in terms of control or just some sort of moment that's not just you're getting, you know, put on your ass essentially. And 
in the second round, I don't know who had the best moments, who had a moment, um, or had more of them. It was just so close. Round three, Volk clearly had more. Yeah. Round four, Islam had the back. That was the, sure. the biggest moment there. He controlled the whole round. Round five, Volk dropped Islam and yeah. then was on top, landing ground and pound. So round two, I just don't know. Yeah. And, and, and even with that round five, oh my gosh. Like, I was like, we were like... I think he dropped him with like a minute 40 left and just like conceded to just sit and guard. And like, it's just like, and oh. good shots, yeah, especially yes. toward those last like 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. He was getting off some good ground and pound, but like, dude, at that point, like I think with a minute 40 left, Alexander Volkanovsky, if that feet, that fight stays on the feet, I think the better chance for him to win there would have been to just let, try to get up, get back to his feet, make Islam get back up. But, I mean, it is what it is. It's still, I mean, just a great performance. Uh, John, what did you think of the fight overall and the decision? Yeah, man, I am, from, like like you, I haven't got a chance to rewatch it. And like you also, I feel like rounds one and two were such a blur. And and (laughs) once it slowed down in three and we got some decisive things happening, I felt like is where I was able to kind of remember. Sure. Um, I do remember feeling that uh, Volkanovski had won the second I thought it was 1-1 going into the third, and then Volk got the momentum. Fourth round, Islam gets it back, and I thought Volk really went for the win hard in the fifth. And I think you could see, like you said, Islam was slowing down. Uh, the body kicks, the leg kicks. I mean, it, it, it looked like it was a tough cut for Islam as well on the on the scale. So maybe that had something to do with it. But I had Volkanovski winning. Um, I definitely didn't have... Islam winning four rounds to one on one of the judges' scorecards. That was just bad. I mean, how, as a judge, you can look at that third round and score it? Because that's what that judge gave him. He Mm -hmm. gave him one through four. Mm -hmm. How do you score? Like I said, round two, I I can see that. That's just so close. We're talking margins, right? Could have went either way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, how you don't give that third round to Volk? I mean, it didn't matter, thankfully, in the grand scheme of things, right? It it just didn't really matter um, on that particular judges scorecard but like geez dude imagine if the fight like if we had a split decision and then islam wins because (laughs) this Mm. guy you know gave Mm -hmm. then we'd be we'd be sitting here with a whole different conversation today but yeah that was crazy to me yeah and and another thing i remember feeling at the end of the fight is i felt like volkanovsky like took the fight with the fifth round because i couldn't remember as much from the first two because it being such a blur well that's what i said if this is a fight to the death i mean i thought volk could have went five more rounds at least from the optics of everything, yeah. but, but yeah, you don't because, judge the fight on a whole at that point. Yeah, obviously. because, and because remembering three through five so well, even the fourth round, having his back taken, I thought Volkanovsky, I mean, he really wasn't in a lot of danger. Um, I mean, at the end, he's laughing, just kind of punching behind his head mm-hmm. because Islam really wasn't getting to that choke as, um, as easily as he did or as threatening as he had in the first round when a couple of those were kind of close and Volkanovski kind of had to turn his head out and uh, work his way out of it. But, um, I mean, a, a real gritty performance for both of them. I think I said it last night. They both really broke the stigmas coming into this was that Volkanovski wasn't going to be able to get up or Islam wasn't going to be able to strike with Volkanovski mm-hmm. and all Volkanovski did was get up and all Islam did was hold his own in the striking um, for most of that fight into the fifth round. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I think actually it's kind of tough because it, you know, I feel like there's a lot of criticism today on Islam, you know, or not criticism. I don't, not criticism. That's a bad word. Um, I think people are almost a little bit more down on him today, you know, cause we kind of saw more of a human element to Islam. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then, you know, Volkstock obviously going through the roof. I'm going to play a clip, uh, real quick. Um, this was Islam's thought on the win. 
and what this win means. Um, and I just kind of want to get your guys' takes. And also, uh, shout out to MMAfighting.com for this audio. Here goes. Doesn't matter how I won today. And now I'm not just champion. I'm best fighter in the world. And, you know, I am very happy. Alex now people are going to call me not just champ, best fighter in the world. This is my dream. And doesn't matter how I won, I'm very happy. So, I said last week we could argue it this week if Islam won. Um, so, do you guys think, uh, with the win over Alexander Volkanovsky, that Islam Makhachev should move into that number one pound-for-pound pound ranking? Um, was that win, uh, plus what we've seen from Islam, enough to put him into that spot? Because I will also say... Brandon brought this up last night as we were watching, and I thought it was a great point, is that Alex Pereira is ranked below Israel Adesanya in the pound-for-pound pound rankings, despite being the champion and having a head-to-head -head win over Izzy in mixed martial arts. Um, so I don't think just because he won, it's just so, like, case closed, whatever. But I'd like to know your guys' takes. Do you think, come Monday, when this episode comes out, that uh, Islam should sit atop the pound-for-pound pound rankings over Volk? Oh, that's tough. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna say no. I th I think if he had finished Volk or if he had dominated Volk in the way that we thought he would, sure. I would be more inclined to say yes. And I, the, I keep thinking this. I don't know if this is even gonna make sense given the result we saw. But Islam won the fight, but I still genuinely believe that Volk is the better fighter. Like I just think mm -hmm. he's a better fighter all the way around than Islam. And I think his body of work up to this point, even this fight, including in that, the way he looked against Islam in this. <laughs> I, did, no, does that I, even that, make sense? Like, I mean, yes, but like it's just funny to me because this is exactly what we said about Volk when Max beat it, lost to him three times. You know, like, it, like, 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 well, it was just always that, like, hey, you know, Volk won, but I still think Max is the better fighter. Like, <laughs> so it's just kind of funny to see Volk yeah. in that same argument now as like, hey, he won or he lost, but I still think he's the better fighter. I mean, I. And I, and I understand that doesn't... I, I that, guess I feel like if he was the better fighter, he would have won. Because I'm sitting here today as somebody that I don't find... I don't take any issue in the scorecards. Could you have made a case in round two? Absolutely. But I think there was a case for either from what I remember watching, obviously. Um, I did give it to Islam. Um, but like I said, so I guess I'm sitting here as somebody that... I think Islam won. It was a close fight. Could have won either way. But I, I guess... Yeah, I don't know, because I feel like if, if, if it was that, if he was the better fighter, he would have won. But I was also somebody that was on the Max train of like, dude, Max lost twice to him. I don't care. He's still the better fighter, <laughs> right. you know, and it's like, and I don't even know why I'm do, saying that. Do, but. do you think it's possible that sometimes, okay, how do I want to phrase this? Maybe like sometimes it's not as simple as it just wasn't his night. But, like, if those guys fight 10 times, mm -hmm. how many times do you think it goes Volk's way? How many times do you think it goes Islam's way? I mean, it was so close. I don't know. That's that's hard to tell. You know, I, what this reminds me of is the Bilal Muhammad Vincente Luque, where we felt like Bilal won, but I remember us all kind of feeling like Vincente was the better fighter. Didn't just, show up. Just that. didn't finish it out. But on the flip side of that, though, I thought Volkanovski really went for it in the fifth, and and didn't kind of just give the fight away. I think it was just a such a good fight. But for me, on the pound for pound thing, since I do feel like Volkanovski won, I, it's hard for me to separate today. Just one day remove the okay. You feel that way, but from, he didn't. Right. So he didn't. So you got to try to take that. That's out what I'm saying. It. It's hard for me in this moment to fully like remove from it because I did. You did see like a more human element from. Um, 
you know, with Islam, whereas I feel like Volkanovsky did a lot of things that people thought he wouldn't do. So it's 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 definitely tough. I do think that I think I'm real quick. I think I'm good with it right. um, because you also have to remember, like, even like as I was going back and forth with the Pareda Adesanya thing is you have to look at what Islam has done. I mean, that's what 11, 12 in a row. Uh, straight for him um, he's done more in the sport than Alex has to this point um, and so I think and just beat the number one pound for pound guy in the world right um, also beating the guy before this who we thought could be taking Volk's spot there at some point as well so he's got really impressive back-to-back victories does Islam mm-hmm. um, but I will put a little bit of an asterisk on it because I do think if Volt goes back down and has a successful defense against Yair which we'll get to in a minute I think he gets that spot back with a win even if Islam goes on to win his next fight why? Yeah, because that, that be Islam's why, first it would be only Islam's second defense whereas Volkanovski kind of like Izzy has held that belt for X amount of time and so, way more defensive. Yeah. Okay, so in that instance, you're you're putting Volk's defense of Yair above um, Islam's de- defense against Volk at that point. Uh, I think it's a little bit because of the weight from the weight difference. Because whereas we've seen people fight like multiple divisions, it's usually like if an Islam would have went up and won at 170, this guy is one in two different weight classes, pound for pound. I think that's something that gets looked at a little bit different. Well, he's the guy that's done it between the two of them as well now, right? right. Like, I mean, credit to Islam. He did fight a champion from a lower weight. But I guess to me, I put a lot more stock in being able to go up and down and be successful in both. Like, yes, Volk lost, but he looked great and, and actually – would love to see him at 55 more. We talked about that last night, the matchups there. I mean, seeing what he did there is just, I mean, because like I said, guys, you got to think about how good Charles Oliveira was, and like, or I mean, is, not was, is, but was coming into that fight, right? Like the form that he was in and, and to the point where we're just like, yeah, man, like if he wins this, he could pass Volk in that number one pound for pound ranking. Um, and Islam just disposed of him. Like, you know, like blew through him. Mm. And then, so then you see what Volk did. So it's like, to be able to be competitive and have a showing, even though it wasn't a win, like, I just think that's so impressive. Now, if he goes back down and continues to defend and continue to look dominant, because like I said, we're going to get to Yair in a minute, but how impressive a win like that would be, it's like, yeah, I feel like to me, that kind of outweighs a little bit more the loss, the direct head-to-head loss, if that makes sense. A little bit. Hey, MMA math can be a little bit weird. Yeah, I'm not trying stuff. to do the math, but it is yeah. kind of like, it, I just think it's an interesting thing because it is like, there is cases though, like with the Pareda Adesanya where we have seen direct head-to-heads and, mm-hmm. and Izzy is still ranked, I think he's five and Pareda six. So um, I just think coming into it, the the number one pound for pound was on the line where we made it, we even talked about that being a thing, but you know, you're kind of sitting here today and it's like, well, but man, do you take away Volk, Volk's 22 fight win streak and the title defenses and, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff? And it's like, yeah, I don't know how you really weigh it, but I'm, I think I'm okay with it. Yeah. But just kind of like, what was your guys' final? Like, I, we all kind of got off there, but yeah. where do you stand? Just kind of like an official, I think, to put a stamp on it. I think removing myself away from how I felt about the decision at this point today, Islam has to be the number one pound for pound because he beat the pound for pound. Um, because even in like the Izzy Alex situation is Izzy wasn't number sure. one. That's a good number point. one holds a way different That's rank than two, three, four, five. I mean, none of the other ones really matter to the same extent as the gap between sure. one and two. Um, and then also, you know, there's the side of, like you said, how he did this. I mean, beating Charles and Volkanovsky back to back. There's not very many people who have two wins in a row like that at that high level. Sure. Um, but I also do agree that, 
you know, there's a, there's a situation to where, depending on how active things get, that, you know, somebody like Volk could move up. And I would love to see – I hope they fight again someday. Um, I think that Volkanovski and a, and a chance at a rematch could be really we'll, good. We'll, we'll get to next in a minute, but what's your, like, official <sighs> – um, I guess I'm just going to be as consistent because that, that's kind of my thing. Yeah. If you're, if you're not going to put Alex in front of Izzy, then I don't think you should put Islam in front of uh, Volk. Just because of what they've done. Just I, I think that if I think that it should be if you beat the guy, I think you should go in front of him. So in theory, I think that Islam should be ahead of Volk because he beat him. But sure. if they haven't done that with Alex, then then if that's not the case, then I don't I don't think. It so should you're be. just going more off consistency, not really like you have a a certain point or like you know what I mean, like. They you don't have a do the right you don't have things. a personal criteria of like I you feel like Volk's just still done more you know maybe Islam needs to do if a little it's, more it's it's either as pure as if you beat the guy you're better than him and and if that's the case and I think Islam deserves it if it's if it's beyond that if it's like oh well the body of work matters or the way you win and those things matter then I don't think he's done enough yet yeah that's where I'm at which is funny with that because Leon is ranked above Usman in the same in the same situation where <laughs> yeah. you know you had your one win but that guy Not much was also consistency so so there is no consistency yeah. then. <laughs> that's the that's the final part of that back when Islam won the title Brandon you missed that episode um the day after uh but I yeah. asked John over unders for Islam and one of them was title fight wins the UFC record at lightweight is 4 um three men have done that BJ Habib and Benson um Islam now has two John, we both went over the four as we thought Islam eventually would break the record for most uh, lightweight title defenses, right? Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know, do you, and Brandon, you can chime in, but do you feel any different about that having seen what we just saw in that Volk fight um, this past Saturday? Man, it's tough. I, I know that there's specifics in this where it's like the first fight without Habib, the you know maybe a little bit of a struggle on a weight cut. Let me fine. say this, first off. And I told you guys last night, I thought he could manage without Habib. When I found out Hasbulla stayed home, yeah, I was really worried. <laughs> you add that into it, dude. And- when he when he when he was at the pre-fight or the uh, the open workouts, and they somebody said, "Where's Hasbulla?" and he said he's at home, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I mean, you've seen it. You've seen it in the fight. I thought the odds should have shifted a little bit. Yeah, right there. <laughs> but but also I feel like there's definitely some holes that Volkanovski showed that certain guys in the division like a Benil Darush and some of these other guys would make very, very difficult. Benny. And, and I mean, in Australian wrestling showed up in that fight and who knows how the, some of these other guys will be able to maybe get up on that higher level because outside of Charles, we hadn't seen Islam with a higher level guy except for Sarukian and that fight was very, very close. Mm-hmm. And there's some guys at the very top. I think that could, provide some not necessarily similar but some very tough matchups so and seeing him get hit so much and I mean even at the end of that fight if you know like we said if if Volkanovski maybe resets he maybe puts him out of that so it definitely makes him look a lot more touchable than like Habib was in his run I think it all depends so to answer the question do I think he'll break the record no I'm not confident he will at this point is it because of what you saw last night um, yes, and what I mean by that is I don't necessarily think that the blueprint is out and how you beat Islam, but I think that it was very well established last night that he is beatable. Um, I think I think one thing you have to consider is how great Volkanovski is. I mean, he's, right. he's obviously very special, so mm. not many guys have the strength he has. I think that matter. I think Volk's a lot stronger than what people realize, and I think that his counter-wrestling and obviously his strike, how many guys do what he did to Max, right? Yeah. Um, but... I think he's just showing if you're willing to be consistent in certain areas and not allow him to bully you or scare you, that can make a big difference in your yeah. ability to fight him. So, 
Yeah, yeah I, I, dude, what you said, I agree. I just think we have to remember that he just faced the number one best fighter in the world, mm-hmm. period. And he yeah. won. Um, and as I mentioned, the fight before that, beating Charles Oliveira, I believe he was ranked number two at that time, pound for pound, Oliveira was, if I remember correctly. Um, and, um, and, and, and there is a lot of people giving Volkis flowers today, right? Like I said, he's just like a rock star today, and he deserves it 100%. You know, my biggest fear for Volk's career is that he could end up like a Mighty Mouse at the end of it, where, like, he just never really got his just due, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or, you know, and I think this just, like, even in a loss, just solidified him, and he's going to be one of the greats, I think, even before it's all said and done. But just don't forget, Islam, I think, is still him. I mean, I really do feel like he's yeah. still the guy. Um, and I think after this fight, I think he's actually going to be better. Coming off the two back-to-back fights, the two opponents that he's just faced back-to-back, he's just going to keep... I still don't think we're seeing the best Islam yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's just period. I mean, I just still feel like there... And that's the crazy, scary thing. And he even said it in his post-fight. I've got to get better. And I think we're going to see him just keep making those jumps and keep getting better. So he has to. And, I, and it doesn't make him worse being in there with so these guys. I think that's a fair point. So, may, so maybe one thing to consider is that Volk was able to bring out the literal best of Islam last mm-hmm. night and yeah. just took every last ounce of everything he had to, yeah. to pull that win out. And like you said, he's just going to get better. Right. So that's another thing yeah. to consider too, like you said. Yeah. What's, what's interesting too about the strategy side is not seeing that that level changed till a lot later in the fight. And maybe it was the feints of the uppercuts and the knees from Volkanovski or the speed where he yeah. felt like, you know, if I try it, maybe this too early I could get caught. But, I mean, that's something that you'd like to see him maybe implement earlier into the fights because just like Volkanovski, some of these guys at the top of, of 155, you don't want to stand up yeah. with for three rounds because sure. it's very dangerous. Just want to play one clip before we move on um, with Volkanovski on the fight. Uh, look, man, it's a, it was a close fight, so what can you do? I'm the type of person that uh, yeah, I could have done more, so I'm going to be harder on myself. You know, a lot of people uh, probably... You know, a lot of people counted me out, so they're like, oh, hey, wow, like, you know what I mean? But I was never counting myself out. I expected to win, so I'm disappointed. I know I could have done more. I could have capitalised on the things uh, earlier as well. Um, I did think he was going to be stronger. And, I've, you know, I probably could have done more earlier. But anyway, what do you do? Credit to him. Well-rounded, yeah. I uh, underestimated his strike, and he underestimated my, my wrestling uh, and stuff like that. So what do you do? Mixed martial arts, yeah. We, uh, we, at least we threw it all out there. So one thing I took away was the strength thing that because, you know, I said like it just at times seemed stronger, but like the fact that he was able to handle that strength. And I pointed to you because your observation last night immediately was the shocking side from both of them. Right. With their Mm -hmm. games, as far as Volk handling the wrestling really well and then Islam kind of getting off a little bit in the counter striking and stuff. So I just thought I was going to play that clip a little earlier. I just kind of forgot it it fitted more with where we were in the, in the fight. But, um, I did just want to get like his thoughts on the fight. And as far as what's next, because the rematch is something I'm definitely here for. As you mentioned, both guys saying last night that they would be in for it. They would be down for it. Uh, but I really, really want to see Volt go back to 45 and face (laughs) guy here, which we, like I said, we can talk about in a sec. But the second fight between these two, it's always there. And I think it's something that will eventually happen as long as, you know, Islam continues to win. Um, But both of these guys are in divisions that just cannot be held up. You know what I'm saying? So I would like to see both guys, um, you know, uh, Islam face the next lightweight challenger, whoever that is. Um, uh, Benny and Oliveira isn't set. No. And, boys, I'm here to say, 
and and because Brandon, you kind of talked about it. Ship it. I, I don't want to see Benny Oliveira. As good as that fight would be, that fight mm-hmm. would be nuts. Don't get me wrong. Don't like, need it. I would no. Like after that, I have got to see Benil Dariush versus Islam Makhachev. I have mm-hmm. to see it because you said it spot on. The challenges that that's going to present for Islam is so interesting mm-hmm. that like <laughs> love Charles Oliveira, but the way that we just saw him, you know, against Islam, it's like I wouldn't mind seeing Charlie face somebody maybe like another like a Sarukian. I don't know if Sarukian's matched up, but you know, just mm-hmm. like somebody else right there yeah. in the top five, but. And I've told you guys, and I've stayed consistent. I've not wavered on this. Is feeling like whatever Ben Neal wants to do, he should get. If he's if he wants to be next, he deserves it. It's mm-hmm. like nine fight win streak or something yeah, like that. Some crazy. So I'm telling you, boys. Like I said, we can get to Yair in a minute, but I've got to see it. I want to see it so bad as a fan. Like mm-hmm. have to see it. So any thoughts on you guys? If you agree with that, disagree on what could be next. Like I, I don't know yeah. if you'd favor the rematch over a Ben Neal or what. I just feel selfishly. Like yeah, I would love to see Vulcan Islam fight I again know, it's soon. Just their divisions but, are so right. Sta- I mean, think about the Max Holloway, Arnold Allen too. Like, come on, man, that's going to give us right. a contender as mm-hmm. well, possibly. And, and I think it's it's something that's going to be. And for Volk, this little step away. And like I said, we're going to talk about a year, but even like the Arnold Allen Max, it gives him some contenders a chance yeah. to kind of get in line for just him to have fresh. some more something fresh. Um, but like you said, you know. Maybe this time next year they're both in a spot where they've beat some yeah. guys. There's not a clear guy, yeah, and you can there. you know you can set that back up. Sure. But no, I I agree. I think Benil is the one who needs he deserves it. And I think that like I said, if you look at the past fight with Gamrat, who's a very high level wrestler, and and will spam it until he gets it, right. and his ability to negate that and then get his own striking off and his own offense off does make a very very compelling fight for islam sure yeah no i'm 100 i think benil he's he's who i'd prefer to see the rematch like you said is always there but i want to i'm worried that love gaichi love poirier but i'm worried those guys are just going to continue to get recycled and i yeah. don't necessarily want to see that so i need i need some of these more fresher guys we haven't seen these matchups coming in so Trazeve. i want benil yeah yeah, and before we get move on, um, shout out to the Perth crowd, man. I mean, just made that fight even more special, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you get those good crowds sometimes, and it's like you almost got to shout the crowd out as much as the fighters because they were on fire, holding on to every little everything in that fight. Um, you know, even reacting to like scrambles and transitions mm-hmm. and stuff Weren't like that. Weren't clinches so, and stuff. Like yeah, we've seen just before. a great, great crowd, which I think made the fight even more special. And nothing more special last night, boys, than yeah, yeah. Let's go. Rodriguez defeating Josh Emmett via second round triangle choke. Boys, what a performance by the new interim champ, Yair Rodriguez. Baji kicks, baji kicks, body kicks, baby. Uh, That just seemed to be kind of the one thing that really just set the tone for this fight for Yair. Um, They got Emmett in all types of problems early um, to the point where, like, it was, I think at one point he was like, Emmett was like so afraid to just like, he was like only, it was like, he was like, I'm just going to let him kick my body because I don't want him to kick my head. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Until I it hurt too much and he tried to do the it, opposite. Yeah. And then it almost like flipped on him a little bit, but man, it was just for me though, ultimately the jujitsu, that's the crazy thing that got it done here for Yair. Um, and we said it last week though, is Yair has such an underrated guard game and he showed it here. Now he's the interim champ because of it. And I'm just blown away because it's like Yair dude every time we see this dude just gets better and better Mm -hmm. and better and like just completely blown away I wrote him down for performance of the year candidate you know 
uh, you know, for our year in Sarah or awards. I mean, because that was just a performance, man. Because Josh Emmett is tough, man, mm-hmm. to do that against a guy like Emmett. So yeah, I'm just in all kind of right yeah. now of yeah. Well, yeah. and somebody like Yair who's had some really good showings and some really good fights with like Korean Zombie and some uh, Max Holloway. This was by far his best performance, in my opinion. Yes. Um, especially after the weird Ortega fight where you had the 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 lock that kind of turned into an injury that stopped the fight. Mm-hmm. This was a very concrete, this is the yeah, year you have to prepare to fight against, and it is scary. Yeah. With those kicks, he even got to the point to where Emmett couldn't even guess if it was going to be a leg kick, a body kick. He hit question mark kicks. I mean, he kind of yeah. got everything he wanted. Yeah. Um, and, and Josh Emmett, and credit to Josh Emmett, he stayed dangerous mm-hmm. even as hurt. He he was letting some big punches go yeah. connected with a couple of yeah, them. Yeah, he went for it, man. Um, but yeah, like like you said, and also the adjustments. Uh, yeah, years guard throwing those elbows from the bottom that just seemed to really stifle Josh Emmett from trying to pass or even throw ground and pound, and then eventually, you know, that pensiveness is what set up the triangle, in my opinion, and the adjustment that he made was just nasty. Well, Brandon, you can comment it as our resident purple belt, but I thought with <laughs> with the triangle, the impressive thing was is I believe if I remember, it was a transition, like he transitioned to it from the arm bar. So like being able to kind of transition from different submissions like that, um, it's it's high level stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was right off the arm bar. Um so one of you mentioned last night too, if you compare, you know, this guy here who previously fought Frankie Edgar mm-hmm. to the guy here that fought last night. Yeah. Um Crazy, crazy developments in his game. And I think the the ability for him to be offensive off his back and not be complacent in guard like that, Mm -hmm. love to see it, especially with a guy like him. I couldn't interrupt. Yeah, you're right. His last fight with um with Max, you know, he got taken down a lot, and there was just a lot of kind of stale moments on the yeah. ground there, but not at all with Emmett and on the feet, just flawless. You know, I, I think he got clipped once by Emmett, but it's Josh Emmett, that guy puts most people out in yeah. front. Yeah, of him. Okay. so punches put people um, down, okay. but he's able to weather the storm and, and get the finish regardless. So no, him, yeah. him, and him and Volk is gonna be pretty tasty. So dude, the striking matchup <laughs> between them is just like. Mwah. Yeah. So divine. Um, and actually, it's a good time to play this because this is what Yair had to say about the title unification matchup with Volk. Take it away, Yair Rodriguez. I think he's quick. I think he's explosive and he has a pretty good wrestling and jiu-jitsu defense. So I think the fight in between him and I will like stay standing standing up. So it will be like a, like a more of a striking fight. And everything comes down to who does it better in the day, who does uh, a better strategy, and who's able to maintain the strategy if it's working, you know, and able to adjust if it's not working. And, um, you know, I can't see much about anything, you know, it's just a matter of who does it better that day. John, what is your poor little lonely heart boy going to do when your two little lonely heart boys face off eventually? The good thing for me is I'm a bigger Yair fan than I am Volkanovski. I was a Yair fan before I was a Volkanovski fan. Um, but, yeah, he's right. Whoever has the better strikey. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> strikey. Well, and uh, you kind of seen with Volkanovski with this uh, Islam being, you know, a taller fighter. Yeah. He had tr- he couldn't use his jab, and he had trouble. He had to use three or four strikes to get inside. Yeah. Yair, that's the same situation. And unlike Max, who doesn't do nearly as much kicking, Yair's going to do that all day regardless of how tired he is or what position he's in. Yeah. And Volk, I feel like Volk and Emmett have similar frames, mm-hmm. like, you know, too, so. Helps with the kicks, man. Mm-hmm. I just, like I said, that, this is why I want Volk to go back to 45. I've got to see this fight as well. Just with the same amount of 
urgency and eagerness. I want to see Benny and Islam. Matter of fact, throw them on the same card. Let's go. <laughs> right. Let's Invo- go. <laughs> and Volk said last night, like, let's get it out the way. Let's do this ASAP. I wouldn't mind seeing, um, you know, maybe, like I said last night, maybe book Brandon Moreno and Yair on, like, a Mexico card. That could be really huge for them. Just real quick, do you guys think that if uh, Volk defends and, and let's say he beats, wins or loses against Yair, do you think he makes it permanent move to 55? I think it's coming, man. I, I think it kind of depends what happens in, like, the Arnold Allen-Max fight. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could see if, if, if Arnold Allen beats Max, I feel like he'll stay around just to fight Allen. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if Max were to win... What a perfect time for Volk to move up, leave the 45-pound division. I mean, maybe even Max moves up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, Max has talked about it, too. What a sight so that would be Yeah. Yeah, years talked about moving up, too. So it seems sure. like there's a, a lot of opportunity for big fights there. Boys, Perth's very own Jack Della Madalena defeating Randy Brown via first round submission. Boys, JDM started the party with a nice right hand that sent Randy Brown flailing into a face drop, uh, jumped on his back, sinks the rear naked choke in, gets it done, and this is a massive statement for mm-hmm. Jack here, who is now 4-0 and in the UFC with four straight first-round finishes. And to do it in the way he did it against opposition like Randy Brown, I said last week I didn't think that the streak would continue, the first-round streak, that is, um, and that if it did continue, we may need to set the ceiling a little bit higher than we thought for this young Aussie uh, who said he wants top. 15 opposition next um and i agree Mm -hmm. because like holy cow man like i said to do that against randy brown the way he did it i mean and he didn't even look good at first like he didn't look good until he did yeah very little bit stiff early stiff a little bit pensive struggled to get inside and brandon said it though you you said it as we were watching is like um that's a bit to be expected probably against a guy with the physical attributes of Randy Brown. Like, there's no way you're comfortable. I mean, like, at 170, yeah. that frame, there's no way you're comfortable. Yeah, I mean, how many people have, are in front of you like Randy Brown? Yeah, right. So. right. I'm telling you, man, just massive from and, Jack. And I mean, like, when he hit him, Randy Brown just, like, his legs flailed. He, like, kicked the cage. Like, it was such <laughs> a weird angle on the way he hit yeah. him. And then he, he sunk that choke in so fast. Yeah, just showing uh, elements, new wrinkles to the game and – um Boys, yeah. I don't even know anymore. Like he was I, our rookie of the year, and it's and then I mean we're looking pretty good yeah, right now. That's our choice. Well, I've been waiting to hit this one all day, boys. Justin Taffa defeating Parker Porter via first round knockout. Give me the Leon. Boys, Justin Taffa landing a beautiful counter left hand, follows it up with a big right uppercut, uh, catches Parker Porter on the way in, and continues his 100% finish rate. Um, This was a big, big knockout for Justin Taffa here. Um, Don't really know where it puts him in the landscape in terms of the heavyweight division, but, man, what a way to get a big knockout there in front of uh, his home Australian crowd. Man, planted him. Yeah. (laughs) Backwards, through that hook. I mean, he's just... He just gives you so many, like, flashes of Mark Hunt and those type of, like, even Tuavasa. Those guys just yeah. are so gritty, and if they land something, even backing up, it's you're going to get put out, and man. Yeah, Seeing, sending a guy like Parker Porter down like that is, like, kind of crazy <laughs> to see to see a human fall like that. Like, in recent memory, like, Steve yeah. comes to mind, but it's, like, it's always so a little, not jarring, but it is a little odd to see big mm-hmm. men go down like that. So, um, but, yeah, big win there for Justin Taffa on a, a, a pay-per-view main event, and and the last one we're going to get to, boys, Jimmy Crute. I have no idea why I hit that because <laughs> I'm telling you, man, 
I was hyped up for this episode today. Got a little <laughs> eager there. Jumped um, the gun a little bit. But Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Menafield ends in a majority draw, 28-28 on two judges' scorecards. Um, this fight was absolutely bananas. You know what? It did deserve the yeah. It deserved it a little bit because this fight was crazy through those first two rounds. Um, and how Jimmy Crute was able to hang on in this fight Ooh. is unreal to me. But in the second round, uh, Mark Goddard did take a point from Minifield for grabbing uh, the fence there, which kind of led to us getting this um, mm-hmm. draw here because I do think Minifield did enough in those two rounds uh, to get the draw. But, man, Jimmy Crute, the brute, man. The brute yeah. Crute, just so tough and living up to that nickname. Um, I don't know, man. Like I said, I told you guys last night, I just – this something with Jimmy, it's like – Sometimes he just like, I think it's like, uh, who do we talk about a lot with that? Where it's like, he just goes in there and he's like, I don't really care about wins. Like, I'm just in here to just yeah. go bananas, right? <laughs> and and that's exactly what he did. Um, but hey, man, it, it worked for him. And I, I guess not really here, but. I wouldn't mind seeing him run it back. I thought they had a really good fight. Minifield yeah. looked, I mean, he, he tired out at the end, but he was landing some huge shots that probably put everybody else away, man. Problem with Minifield is the amount of oxygen that those legs require. Yeah, to he's jacked, like, man. I mean, he's always, I mean, he's always going to struggle, man. Like, his legs are just massive. And like I said, they're just pulling so much oxygen. So. It, Go ahead. I honestly believe too. With you, got to wonder how much of that crowd was just a life force for Jimmy Crew. Yeah, yeah. stand up because that. I mean, it, some of those shots are crazy. Like, <laughs> how? How? Yeah, yeah exactly. So. That was our main card for UFC 284. Anything real quick, boys? Real quick that stood out that you want to mention on the prelims undercard? Uh, Modestus Bukowskis defeating Tyson Pedro. Um, what else would we Claytus, have? That Claydeson Rodriguez. Claydeson. Yeah. yeah, he he looked crazy. Um, what's his name? Calabal, Cool Oh, Josh Kulabal? Yeah, he. I mean, he came yeah. back from a spinning back kick to the nuts. Uh, Jamie Malarkey had a really good performance. So overall, it was a really good card, man. Fantastic card. Before we move on, Brandon, update us on our scores. All right, we got a little bit uh, closer of a contest here, gentlemen. So um, last night I had three points. Nate, you come away with three, and then John, you had two. So that sets us at Nate. You have eleven, John. You have ten, and I have nine. So that nice. means there's a new leader. Oh, That's is correct. that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yep. Let's go. Let's go. Here we go, boys. We're gonna keep this moving because uh, we got some pi- fights to pick for. Real quick, UFC Fight Night. Um, this is now. This uh, well, real quick, UFC Fight Night this Saturday, February 18th at the Apex. This is now, boys, for this card, the third main event. Um, it was a this fight was originally uh, supposed to be main evented by Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Chito mm-hmm. Vera. Um, we know that fight has now been moved to March 25th in San Antonio, Texas, uh, which is something that we're going to celebrate because um, I feel like. Um, it's giving this fight the justice and putting it in front of a live crowd is major. And I feel like that's a bit of a W for the fans and media who are really putting pressure on the mm-hmm. UFC to have it changed. Um, then we got the co-main moved to the main, which was Tyler uh, Santos versus Aaron Blanchfield. Um, Literally moments before UFC or right as UFC 284 was kicking off last night, uh, it was announced that Tyla Santos dropped out. Apparently, her cornermen, one of which is her husband, were denied visas to enter the uh, U.S. So she decided to back out of the fight. Obviously, wouldn't have had a corner. Um, so now, answering the call to face the number ten ranked Aaron Blanchfield at 125 pounds on just seven days' notice, boys, is the boogie woman at number three ranked <laughs> Jessica Andrade. Um, and boys, this is a 
a quick turnaround for Andrade, who just fought four weeks ago at UFC 283. That night, Andrade absolutely blew through Lauren Murphy, beating her by a very one-sided unanimous decision. That move on Andrade to three straight wins and a winner of four in her last five. Um, but regardless if it was Santos or now with Andrade, this is a massive step up in competition for Blanchfield, mm-hmm. who has been on fire since joining the UFC. She is a perfect 4-0 and in the promotion, currently is on a seven-fight win streak in her career, and uh, her last fight was a first-round sub over the meatball Molly McCann in November of last year, um, and she just absolutely blew through Molly Molly in that fight, making it look easy as well. Nasty Kamara. Yes, and I give her a lot of credit uh, for taking Andrade here on short notice. Um, The Santos fight would have been tough enough, so to change opponents with another fighter who's on a similar level is pretty badass by Blanchfield here. Um, But as I mentioned, this is a huge test for her in her young career, and I guess I just hope it's not too much too soon, but that's exactly the same thing I was going to say coming into the Santos fight as well. You know, Meatball Molly was her first ranked opponent Mm -hmm. in the UFC, and Molly was number 15, so she was literally going to go from number 15 to number one now she's facing number three um but still with how good Andrade has looked as of late um it's not a drop off in quality at all between mm-hmm. santos and Andrade. so with that being said we are going to get to our picks uh brandon last place who you got so i'm going with Andrade here I, I do think it's a little too much too soon for blanchfield at this point um but one thing I do want to say is I, I wonder how much, and I have no idea, obviously, but I wonder how much of this um, decision for Andrade stepping in on short notice to face Blanchfield is, like you said, Andrade ran through Murphy in her last fight. So I wonder if she's riding that confidence and just like, yeah. oh, you know, short notice. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, um, but at the same time, Blanchfield, she's lo- you know lowering the rankings. Yeah. Newer, I can probably run through her too. May not be the the best person to underestimate. Not saying she is. I have sure. no idea. But I, I, just, what you're I just wonder. But I'm still going to go with Andrade here. Um, I think Blanchfield will. This will also be a, a way for her to potentially show her toughness. Or you know, she could win this. Who's to say? Yeah. But um, I'm still going to take Andrade. It's a unanimous decision. John, who you got? Man, this is this one's a little bit tough for me because when you look at the places that Andrade has like struggled, like you look at the Valentina fight, she drowned in that crucifix. And you know who has a really nasty crucifix? Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield. Yeah. Um, also, if Aaron Blanchfield gets a hold of you, she's gonna trip you. She has good takedowns. If she gets mm. when she gets on tops of people, that's it. She uh, drowns people out there with her jujitsu. But then she has a really good front kick, high kick. Um, she says really good clinch work. My only problem is she gets hit. Um, she gets hit and wobbled a little bit in almost yeah. all her fights. And I don't know if Andrade is the type of person you can allow to do that. Mm. And a lot of times I feel like I see Blanchfield kind of doing a thing where she's just throwing a, p- a couple punches and not necessarily moving her head or, or putting movement into it, just kind of doing predetermined combos sometimes. And I think that could be a downfall for her. But if she can get on top of Andrade, it could be a long night for Jessica. But I am actually going to go with Andrade as well. I'm going to say... Uh, third round TKO. Okay, yeah. So, candidly, I have to kind of admit that with how last minute we got this announcement and UFC 284, it was hard to give much time to really kind of consider this matchup. Um, I took like a couple minutes right as it was kicking off to just kind of go through everything. Um, 
But, man, Blanchfield is just a stone-cold killer. Mm -hmm. um, and her potential in the UFC is just through the roof. Um, she's literally dominated all her opposition to this point and doing so in the way that we'd expect to see a future contender or champ to perform against the opposition that she's faced. Um, but it's just so hard to overlook that this is her first UFC main event, and it's against the number three-ranked fighter in her division who has been in there with the very best in the mm -hmm. world at this weight um, and across a couple of weights, right? Um, and Blanchfield is very well-rounded by, I also think uh, Jessica presents a big problem on the feet for her, especially coming off the striking performance that she just had against Lauren Murphy. Um, Aaron will be threatening with the takedowns, dangerous in the scrambles, um, but Andrade is very capable of holding her own down mm -hmm. there as well. Um, and, but I'm not saying it's impossible, like Brandon said, for Blanchfield to find a way here. Um, but ultimately, I think she's just running into the very best Jessica Andrade that we've seen so far in her career, who is in form, ready to go. Um, I don't think the last-minute nature of this fight is going to hurt Andrade. I actually mm -hmm. think it's going to give her a little bit of a boost here. Um, so give me Jessica Andrade by fourth-round TKO. Yeah, because Andrade wanted to fight Wei Lee, so she was ready to go down. So I don't think the weight thing is going to no. be an issue at all. no. Did you say Andrade for the third round? Mm -hmm. Okay. Boys, the next fight that we are going to preview, like we said, when we get these lighter cards, we can kind of pick and choose. We don't always just go for the co-main. So the next fight that we chose to preview is Jim Miller versus Alex Hernandez. Boys, the UFC's most winningest fighter in promotional history, Jim Miller, is back in action coming off his second round submission victory over Donald Cowboy Cerrone last July. With that win, Miller broke the record for the most wins in UFC history with 24. Miller also holding the record for the most fights in the UFC with 40. Um, he was originally set to face Gabriel Benitez, but Benitez dropped out this past week for undisclosed reasons, and Alex Alexander the Great Hernandez answering the call here on short notice. See the theme for this card, short notice. <laughs> uh, Hernandez has really struggled to find some consistency in his UFC career. Um, he's currently on a two-fight losing streak um, and is just one in three in his last four. He's coming off a second-round KO loss to Billy Q last December at 145 pounds. He tried to go down in weight. Um, he's returning to lightweight here where it's kind of crazy to think, boys, that he started his UFC career with so much hype, knocking out Benil Dariush in his UFC de debut. And you can kind of see where those two guys' careers are now and see where maybe something just has not quite clicked for Alex Hernandez. Um, but a win here against a legend like Jim Miller could definitely get him back on track. Brandon, kick us off. Who you taking? So I'm going to take Miller by second round submission here. Um, I think Hernandez has all the potential in the world mm. to be a top five contender even. He showed that in his debut, but just like you said, something hasn't really been clicking with him as of late. I think he has most of his success early in his fight, yes. so I think if he gets yeah. this done, it's probably going to be first round, but against a guy like Miller, that's a tough, tough ask. Mm -hmm. So I think the smart play for me here is Miller um, against second round submission. Nice. I, I think Hernandez, ever since he lost to Cerrone, he just kind of has been real off and on, and I think it. I don't know if that took confidence from him or what, but it seems like kind of how you said he he fades. And I mean, even at that Billy Q fight, if you watch that first round, he was doing really well, last, and then it too. goes away. Yeah, last couple, and then it kind of fades away. Problem is, Jim Miller's hard to put up, put away. So if you can't fade him in the first couple rounds, and he's coming down from welterweight from a really good performance against Cerrone. And I just think that he that Hernandez is going to run into a wall with Jim Miller, and I think Jim Miller is going to be able to stall him out. I, it will be interesting to see um, if Hernandez is 
uh, cardio can stand up as somebody like Jim Miller does a really good job of just weighing on people and being big. Um, his leg kicks, inside leg kick, outside. He was the first person to do calf kicks in the UFC. So he has some really innovative striking stuff that people don't talk about a lot. And, I mean, he's been knocking people out. The submission guy's been kind of changing his his form a little bit. So I'm going to go Jim Miller as well. Um, I'm going to say by unanimous decision. All righty. Uh, yeah, Alex Hernandez is a really dangerous fight here for Jim Miller, even on short notice. Uh, Hernandez is extremely well-rounded, carries some serious power, and Jim Miller is 39 years old, and the chin is holding up pretty good, but it's definitely got the miles on it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Hernandez is going to be looking to land big and early. But if you think I'm fading Jimmy Mill ticket here at number mm. 41, you're crazy. Um, the I record's think, going up, baby. Yeah, I think it's all about just weathering that early storm from from Hernandez for Miller. Um, even if you look at uh, Hernandez's last two, like we mentioned, he's won the first round in both of those fights, and then he just comes out, gasses a little bit, maybe cardio fades, but he just really just kind of makes some little mistakes that cost him. Um Jim Miller, like John mentioned, great leg kicks. Um, I hope uh, to see him kind of use those early to soften the legs of Hernandez, um, which will take away some of that power, the mobility a little bit, then go in for the kill in the later rounds. So give me Jim Miller by third round submission. Um, and that's where, that's where we're going to go for this card. Um, so I, I wrote this down, like, if we had time, and I'm going to bring it up. We did we are going a little long today, so strap in. But <laughs> I just, well, that main event, man, there's so much yeah. to talk about. But one thing that I think is a good thing, and I feel like we've kind of mentioned it, um, is these Apex cards, man. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I think I would be okay with, like, one or two less. I, I mean, it's hard to mm -hmm. complain about getting fights, right? But every weekend, but I think as a fan, I'm to the point now where like, I would be okay with like one or two less UFC fight cards a month. Yeah. <laughs> then that can kind of can, can keep consistently getting these like, these UFC fight nights that maybe don't have like the bigger names. And I know it's not all about that. And I know the UFC has like so many guys and girls on the roster and they just have to get them fights. And, mm -hmm. and it's an opportunity for these fighters to make money. And I understand the importance of that as well. But I just kind of think it's a little ironic that the UFC, right. was like, the first sports organization really to get going after mm -hmm. COVID, right? Or in the middle of COVID. Um, but to me, it's a little bit ironic that they're the only sports organization that's kind of still holding on mm -hmm. to that uh, COVID era, right? Or a period in that time of time mm -hmm. um, with these apex fights. And like, I would just kind of like to see it fade away, man. Like I said, even if that means like, like, cause if you look at like the next couple fight nights, right. If you just combine those, like you would have a really, really good card. Right. right? And it's just like, man, I just, I would to the point, like I said, I t it's hard to complain about getting fights and I, and I understand financially what it means for the fighters to get these cause mm -hmm. it creates more opportunity, but it's like just maybe it just time to fade. Yeah. These out, man. Do, you, do you think any of that too, the, the consistent fights so frequently just to maybe justify what we're paying like as a consumer it could and that may be yeah it could but like man we're getting them like every week so we're getting four fight cards pretty much a month right mm -hmm. i would totally be okay with three yeah <laughs> and just like combining like i said some of these fight nights but i'd also and like I said, maybe even stacking up the pay-per-views just a little bit stacking more up, yeah you know? i mean once again look at this pay-per-view I mean, the first two fights were great fights. They were, I mean, and that's the thing too. Like, I'm not saying that 
the smaller names don't lead to great fights because we watch everything and we know that sometimes mm-hmm. they lead to better fights. But it's just like, yeah, it kind of is just like, man, it just be a little better, I think. And, and it's just crazy to me that they're still the only sports organization still holding on to any remnants mm-hmm. of COVID with these Apex things. Well, and, and as a fan, too, especially in a market that doesn't get the MMA attention, yeah, I would much rather some of these cars go to markets that don't get to have fights like pay-per-views in them and yeah like even like a you know san antonio there's some in the news like kansas city's getting a, a fight night card like right. some of these markets could really use you know even for like the big name fighters in that area to get on sure. an undercard and kind of really boost that so to throw them all in the apex with no crowd and stuff just kind of uh, I'm, I'm with you too i think the fighters you know they get money they get a chance yeah. to build their resume but for us i would even if you aren't going to get away from doing as many fights I would love to see them in crowds and in different markets. Yeah. Yeah. Just something I was thinking about. It's like, man, why are they still like, you know, I think even as people, like there were some things like bad habits that we all developed through COVID that like, Oh, I need to get out of that. Like just being at home or, you know, maybe just being alone or something like that. And it's like, this is like still something that's like UFC. It's like, all right, let's get out of this now. Like the times it's over, we can get back out there. And that's the thing too. I would take, you know, two, awesome like fight nights that are like in front of a live crowd and mm-hmm. i mean you don't even really have to up the the fight quality or the fighter quality or give us huge names it's like it just add a little element right mm-hmm. so i don't know just something i was thinking about john let's get into the news i can't nope. even the crazy thing is i can't even see the board the sun is so bright going on the news uh-uh. if you don't like it brandon i'll punch you and give you a bruise <laughs> All right, Sean O'Malley signs a new deal with the UFC, saying that he's very gracious for his contract and he's proud of it. He's happy with his numbers and doesn't think a manager could have got him a better deal than what he got, saying that it helped him build his relationship with the UFC and that he earned this contract and the amount he's getting paid. This is obviously a big switch from the vocal comments he had before, saying he wasn't wanting to take big fights off of his previous contract amount. What do you guys think about the the turn of that for for Sean O'Malley? You know, it's kind of per par now. I feel like for guys, yeah. Um, but you know, and now Sean O'Malley doesn't have a big fight because of like the Cejudo stuff fell through, or mm-hmm. you know, stuff with Aljamain. So it'll be interesting to see what he does next with this big contract and obviously making it more uh, money that he's happy for. Um, we also have more details on season 31 of The Ultimate Fighter. After announcing the coaches as Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler, some more rough details have been released. It's not been 100% confirmed, but it is said that the two weight classes that will be competing for UFC contracts are lightweight and bantamweight. And it's also said that they are changing the format, mixing young prospects with former UFC fighters who were cut from the promotion. Also, Dana White has said in interviews that the finale fight between McGregor and Chandler could potentially be held in a stadium or a huge arena throwing around names such as Cowboy Stadium, Madison Square Garden, etc. 105,000 people. Yeah. Cowboy Stadium. That would be crazy. Also, to be noted real quick, the Ultimate Fighter is going to be on regular ESPN this time instead of ESPN Plus. So they're thinking that will boost the exposure of uh, building that fight. So that's something I just don't. To really understand the numbers, how big they are, but like when you talk about a Cowboy Stadium, one hundred five thousand, how much bigger is that than say? I mean, how big is Madison Square Garden? I guess. I don't oh, know. dude, I I think like tw- I think I don't know because it is a little different for UFC, but I know like most UFC fights do like twenty, thirty thousand people. Mm-hmm. I think the Australia one, uh, the first Izzy Whitaker was like fifty thousand in that stadium, Marvel Stadium. Okay. Um, but Dana's been very pensive about doing huge events, especially in outdoor stadiums that aren't like in a dome. Yeah, or Whitaker like that. Adesanya did fifty seven thousand. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm did fifty six thousand. Um, yeah, I mean, so you're. Ta- I mean, it's double, almost. Yeah, almost double. Mm. And, and I mean, like some of these too. Like you're talking like 
like I said, because I think some of your smaller venues do like 20 to 25. So you're, mm-hmm. you're talking almost four times the amount of people. It's just crazy. So you'd have to think that card would have to be over. Like how we're talking about saving some fights for maybe a bigger card. If that ends up happening, you know, in September or something yeah, like if, that. If Just real quick, doing some quick research. If, if what I'm seeing is right, is the Whitaker Adesanya is the biggest in history with 57,000. Mm-hmm. So, that was the first one in like an actual like big stadium arena mm-hmm. type of thing. So Yeah, crazy. <laughs> and but if anybody's gonna do it, it's Connor, right? And we had some fun talking about like the whole rookies versus vets thing. Cause like mm-hmm. we were kind of going through like some potential, like trying to figure out who could be some of the vets that they might be looking to bring out or bring back. And like one of them off top was like Anthony Pettis, because I'm sure you're gonna get to the boxing thing. Mm-hmm. But he said that he did not re-sign a contract with uh PFL mm-hmm. um for their season. Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is out there because how and how we well Will Brooks was one that was yeah lobbying we for thought it. about it a lot on and Twitter then, well and then he came out and said that it was too late the UFC has already casted so these guys have already been notified so they've already got the roster set apparently mm-hmm. um, but like Eddie Alvarez is another one who he's mm-hmm. a free agent out there um, I think I like Yancey Menderos was a guy that was you know he was kind of out there maybe available but yeah it'd be interesting I don't know if like your Alvarez, but like think about Connor, right? With him and Eddie. And then imagine, mm-hmm. like I told you guys, imagine if Eddie Alvarez is coached by Connor <laughs> McGregor. That's why I said, I don't think it like, I don't think like guys like Pettis and Alvarez would, mm-hmm. would do that, but I don't know. Maybe I, I have no idea like what the money looks like. If you're on the ultimate fighter, if you get, I don't know how mm-hmm. that works, but man, that would be some TV. My, uh, even if Eddie was on the opposite team, I yeah. mean, on Chandler's team, it would be hilarious. My funny pitch for ultimate, like, this would make it the greatest ultimate fighter ever. Nate Diaz coming back for the veteran 155 <laughs> and Mighty Mouse coming back for 135. Mm. But maybe you could even see, like, a John Lineker nah, or something coming from one. He's their champion. I, I just don't. Isn't he? Isn't Lineker their no, champion? No, he lost no, it because he uh, yeah, missed yeah, weight. Yeah. But there's, I mean... I don't think it. I, that's why I don't think it'll be somebody. Who, maybe a John Lineker. I could see like because you said it's thirty five two. So I, a name like that, like a Jeremy Stevens, Yancey Menderos, like guys like that, I could see. I don't know, but maybe like I said, if a Pettis and and Eddie Kevin Lee, we know is just signed. You know, that's another guy. Maybe they bring him back on there, help build him a little bit. It'd be mm-hmm. a, be a big way for him to kind of get back into the UFC and like I said, kind of reestablish. So it's gonna be fun to see what they do and who they bring in. But. Yeah, in that format, I mean, imagine you're a young prospect and your your two resume builders or a former UFC vet before you even get into the UFC. I think it makes some sense too for guys who have watched the Ultimate Fighter historically and it's just kind of gotten a little stale over yeah. the years mm-hmm. to really kind of reinvigorate right. with with the veterans too. Like, oh, you know, maybe bringing back some of those guys makes us interested to kind of go back. Oh, and for sure. So mm-hmm. yeah. Makes sense. And, and I'd love to see them. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I hope they do this f- moving forward. Yeah. I would love to see it in some of these other weight classes. Well, that's what I was saying. There might be guys that we've even forgotten about that are mm-hmm. floating around out there and it's like, oh man, I haven't forgotten yeah, and forgot th- about this guy. And when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about maybe 45ers who could easily make 55 or yeah. a 70 guy who wants to come down so it might not even be people we're thinking of sure um hamzat chamayev calls for a fight against robert whitaker stating it's time for the good guy versus bad guy fight whitaker has since responded saying that the fight has interest to him but there are still moving parts that have to be um, determined hamzat is not currently ranked at middleweight but whitaker is in need for a big fight to keep his name fresh on the mind of matchmakers as he awaits the conclusion of adesanya and pajeda's rematch with the ufc's willingness to ignore rankings for big fights and storylines what do you guys think or the probability of the next fight for both of these guys to be each other at middleweight. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. It'd be a fun fight. 
mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I guess I don't know when he's talking about moving parts. Is he saying on his end or just in general? Yeah, with the because rankings? Uh, you got to think if Alex Pajeda wins, he has an easy call for a belt or for a title shot. Whereas he's already lost twice to Izzy, so that's a little bit harder to get to. Yeah, but he does still need a big fight with the Costa fight falling off that was supposed to be on this last fight card. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, for Hamzat, we've seen him kind of. We've seen people skip plenty of times, especially in the middleweight division. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like back when, after the Burns fight, we said this would be a great matchup, and it mm-hmm. made a ton of sense. And I still feel that way. I mean, it just. And I think we were talking about Whitaker even going down for that fight, but now it's Hamzat coming up. So yeah. uh, definitely would makes put more some, sense. At yeah, and it would be just a really nice interjection of another contender. Uh, I mean, storyline there. Uh, as you said, Kevin Lee has been re-signed to UFC after a one year. Uh, away from the promotion after being cut he was then signed to habib's promotion eagle fc where he fought ufc veteran diego sanchez lee uh, reportedly was interested in signing with the pfl but instead chose to do a second stint with the ufc uh, love to see him back yeah um had a rough thing going on there so hopefully he can get back into uh into form uh, last night at 284 the ufc announced the newest member of the ufc hall of fame as they honored the first ever lightweight champion jens pulver yeah. big time uh, Pulver won the inaugural 155 title after defeating Kyle Uno in 2001. He would go on to win and defend his belt twice against Dennis Hallman and BJ Penn, with that Penn fight actually being the first time a lightweight fight had ever headlined a UFC card. Later, Pulver and Penn would coach against each other on the Ultimate Fighter and would be the first coaches to ever fight each other, with Penn being the victor in the rematch. Pulver would also fight in um, WEC, Pride, and other organizations, but just a, a legend and a pioneer. A little evil. Yeah, that was awesome, too, to see. So they had him host, like, a watch-along mm-hmm. on the UFC. Um, they obviously didn't tell him. Uh, so seeing his reaction to it was really cool. Obviously, he got super emotional. It's something like – and he's actually somebody that's really wanted that for a long time, you mm-hmm. know. So, like, it was just it was just really cool. And, um, you know, Jens Pulver, like, when I started watching, was, like, a big name at the time. So, like – that's like more from my era, even of like, mm-hmm. I can totally relate to that. And like, remember when he was just like, just the best little guy in the world, you know, right. when I say little guy, I mean like under 170 pounds, mm-hmm. like he was just the scariest best dude knocking people out. And so. there, I mean, there wasn't even a 155 division until, you yeah. know, he, he ushered that in. And I think a lot of what he did in WEC, cause you know, that like, that's kind of like when too like around the same time i found wec and stuff and like he mm-hmm. had some massive fights over there as well um so yeah and i feel like some of that's almost forgotten on him a little mm-hmm. bit but yeah you go watch some uh jens pulver wc matches he had some great ones. i think he's the only lightweight to have fought in pride and ufc because it wasn't a thing in the ufc sure. at the time he kind of set the presidents there too uh moving on to some uh fighting did, did you say the presidents <laughs> presidents oh it still pre- sound like presidents. Yeah, precedents. Yes, yeah, just a little different of a pronunciation. <laughs> Same thing. Chimney. <laughs> uh, moving on to some fight announcements. We have Sean Brady out for his scheduled fight with Michelle Pajeda at UFC San Antonio. Um, we have Anthony Johnson versus Johnny Walker being announced fight night May 13th. Huge fight there. What you, say that Anthony again? Smith. Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith. <laughs> Um, I mean, that'd be fun, too, I guess. Right. Uh, Brandon Roy Val will be fighting Matthias Nicolau, uh, UFC yeah, Kansas City, April 15th. That's a good fight. That could be a title eliminator. 
Um, Dan Hooker is out of his fight with Jalen Turner for UFC 285 after suffering a broken hand. Hooker was seen in the crowd at last night's or at the 284 with the cast on. Uh, Jalen Turner is expected to stay on the card with no opponent announced, although Drew Dober has called for the fight. And there's three or four guys ranked above Turner who currently don't have a fight with like a Gamrot, Saruki, and RDA, etc. Yeah, I think Dober makes a ton of sense. It's a fun, it'd be a fun fight. Mm-hmm. And if he, if both guys are willing. Yeah. But yeah, and for Jalen Turner, anybody, as long as he can stay on that 285 and get his name into that, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, the last little bit I have for you is boxing. It's George Masvidal has announced his upcoming Game Bread boxing card will take place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and will be headlined by the Milwaukee native uh, Anthony Pettis, and he will face boxing legend Roy Jones Jr., uh, Pettis in an interview would say that his contract for this boxing match was nice enough for him to pass on signing with the PFL. Uh, the card is littered with a who's who of former UFC fighters matchups, including Jacare Souza and Vitor Belfort, Paul Daly and Anthony Taylor. And when you're saying and, these are verses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, fresh off of his pro boxing debut win, Jose Aldo will face former UFC opponent Jeremy Stevens. Worth noting, after Jose Aldo's win this weekend, he told media that his team and Floyd Mayweather's team has been in talk, and both sides have verbally agreed on an exhibition. Cool. So that's all I got for you guys today. John, what is your song of the week? My song of the week is Busta Rhymes' Break Your Neck. Yeah, there you go. A lot of broken necks last night. <laughs> You ever heard that song? No. It's a good gym one. You might add it on. That's a great song, Brandon. Mm. Uh, Brandon, what is your one for the people? Oh, man. Go, come back to me. John, what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people, I'm staying on Last of Us, man. I was really big on the episode that ca- came out this Friday. It's a good one. Um, Wasn't I'm, ready for that ending. Yeah. Really excited to see where it goes from here, man. My Oh, good. No, uh, go ahead. So just, I don't know, following that kind of random. So I got back into messing around with like magic card tricks with some of my clients <laughs> that are kids. Okay. For, obviously not just like. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. kind of forgot how fun that feeling was when you like surprise a kid. He's like seeing the magic trick and they have oh. no idea. Like it's like, yeah, I don't know. You know who's related to like one of the biggest magicians in the world, right? Who is? This guy. You are? Yeah. My grandpa is him. The Houdini house, like the, the circle of... See those book, the Avant cards? That's his book he wrote. He's got mm. like four. Yeah. So do you do magic? No. Oh. No, he's tried he, to He like, turned down the the family. It'd be like... It, that's talent. probably be like one of my like two truths and a lie. Mm. It'd be like... So he's a part of what's called the Magicians of the Round Table. Mm. It's like a very distinguished uh, group. Like, Penn and Teller, all that. Yeah, it's like the biggest names in magic are on it. He's in that. Um, yeah, he's... Wow. Dude, he's, he's one of the goats. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just had to. He just had to order ten thousand more books of he, of his new book because his first one sold. Or he, he just released his new one. It sold out, so he had to order ten thousand more. FedEx decided to deliver it to the house two doors down. So Wednesday, I'm at the gym doing legs, and he calls and he's like, "Bud, I don't know what to do. They won't come back. It's, it's raining." those boxes got to get back down to my house. So me and my brother had to go. And if John knows, my grandpa has a Ooh. lot of stairs leading up to it's his hill. So, yeah. uh, yeah, we had to carry 35 pound boxes, uh, up and down the stairs. One time. Good thing was had yeah. No, it was not a good thing. But that was the bad. I was like, dude, I was like, Nolan, I can't do this. man. Like, so yeah, but I think those books are actually yeah. already sold too. So if you ever want to step them. up your game, we know yeah, a guy. Get yeah. you private. All right. He does YouTube videos. You can check him out. Um, yeah, my one for the people, uh, Hogwarts Legacy is what we all thought it was going to be. Uh, school is in session, fifth year, Crimsby Cobbletree. That's the name of my guy. Yeah. I was like, what's a good Harry Potter name, right? So I'm like sitting here and I'm like going through something like Crimsby Cobbletree. Doesn't that sound like a yeah. Harry Potter character? That sounds like something you get out of a generator for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what house did you go with? 
Come on, boy, Slytherin. You don't, you don't pick. Did you Ooh. pick it or did it pick it? For so you, you answer questions. Yeah. They like ask you the sorting hat. Ask you. So questions. you wanted to be a dark wizard. I get it. No, it really wasn't like dark questions. It was kind of like I mean, if you're going Slytherin. Yeah, I'm. I'm team. I'm Slytherin. Dog. Here's my dog. Hey, to- I love looking out the window. My dog's just curling up a nice poo <laughs> right outside this window. Um, yeah. So team Slytherin. Crimsby Cobbletree, fifth year, baby. Let's go. But no, great game. Last of Us was great, as John mentioned. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I'm ready to go watch some games. Ready, ready for go some, eat some buffalo food. chicken dip, baby. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go eat some food. Uh, boys, that's what we got. Come back next week. We're going to recap the fight night, get you set up for the next one. Oh, we can exhale. Yeah. UFC 284 is over. We, we saw it. It happened. We'll see you guys Make next week. Make sure you sign up on Vertic and put your picks in. Join us on our league. Peace.